Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. Can I touch you gently, whisper in your ear, and steal away your fears that weigh upon you? Can I hold you tightly now and wrap you in my arms, shield you from the storms that may surround you? For I know that in the time that passes, I will love you more. And blessed are the days we have in store. Can I hold your hand now as we walk on through this life and never lose our sight to what's before us? Love's a wondrous journey in a tapestry of time, a rich and fragrant wine to toast between us. And I know that in the time that passes, I will love you more. And blessed are the days we have in store. through the photographs of younger days and years the laughter and the tears and distant memories you have been the sun that shines so brightly in my life a best friend and a wife this man could ask for And I know that in the time that passes, I will love you more. Blessed are the days we have, we'll be blessed each day we have, and blessed are the days we have in store. And welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. That was Will Kruger with Blessed Are the Days. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you both doing? Hey. Hello, Carl and Greg. Um, Hey, everybody. You know what? What a nice nice sound. 
I'm like, I have to admit, you know, even though I'm this, I come off as a cynical New York guy, I am a sap. <laughs> I just saw this picture of this nice man with his wife in this beautiful home and, and blessed are the, I like, I, I bought into the whole thing. You know, I mean, well, it's easy to do because it is a genre. I mean, it is it is traditional folk. It's honest and it's it's beautiful. Uh, it's simple. Uh, you know, it's a lost art, really. It, it really is. But like anything else, you could do it badly, and and he didn't. It, I, it no, was authentic. he doesn't do it badly. He does it authentically. Right. His, yeah. his voice, like I thought, like, wow, I feel like I was there in the mountains. You know, like I have always been uh, a huge fan of this music. I mean, Michael Martin Murphy and Jim Croce and Harry Chapin and Harry's Harry's brother Tom. Right. That's, uh, that's who uh, I'm reminded of here. J.D. Souther, I was his early work is is like this. I, I, it's just it's lovely to hear. Kudos. I'm glad we I'm glad we featured it. It's not only a style of writing; it's a style of the way it's orchestrated instrumentation. It's a style Correct. of even the way they sing. The voice sound, yeah, is, is authentic. There's a there's a purity to it. Yep, yeah, exactly. Very yeah, good. So, not uh, good find. How did we find Will? Uh, so Nicole? we actually found Will and Greg. You'll like this. Do you remember when we featured Brittany Jean on the podcast back in February? Mm-hmm. So right, he right, knows. Right. Brittany Jean and they've worked together and they've played together so when we posted on our socials and she shared out he found us that yep. way and submitted thinking he was a good fit and he is not wrong he is a he's a great fit for the podcast yeah excellent so excellent. yeah so welcome yeah, Will I'm really a, I'm a fan of folk so I guess sad news you know Tina Turner mm. passed yesterday oh, she yeah. did mm. she did well, you know, 83 you know again here I go I was never a super. T- I never got the Tina Turner thing that she. You know, I, I know she had a now. hard life. I know the Ike thing. You know the way he abused her, and I get all that. And she came out of that, and and she was a tough cookie, and she like you know won her name back. She even took the name Tina Turner because he wanted to even keep that, and and you know, and then and she was cool like in that Tommy movie. She played the. Oh, that was amazing. The Acid Queen, yeah. Yeah, the Acid Queen. <laughs> she's great, but. You know, I, you know, I, I was ever a super Tina fan. Is that, I didn't is that like the, the transition into like the big pop star thing with the, you know. She did because it made her a ton of money, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's where she made all her money and that's where she became a legend as, a, as an entertainer and a performer. But if you go back to the late 60s, I mean, she she represented like the rock soul. That, right. that stuff just poured out of her. You know, and Ike, you know, for all his foibles, he, he stood in the background and just let her do her thing, you know. She she was the star. And she was she was like sexy too with those you know, and then her and Yeah, man, she, she was she had, great back. She had, in what the were day, they called the Ikeettes or the Turnerettes? What were they? Because it's her and, and Jim, she would be the front one singing, and then there's like these these three like sexy chicks in the background in those mini skirts doing their thing. Yeah, like, yeah I no still love question that stuff. an icon, you know. No question. Yeah, definitely, definitely, you know. Yeah. But, but um I, you know the the whole '90s Thunderdome kind of thing. I'm not. I wasn't into it. Yeah. That's what happens with anybody. They're great, yep. and then the machine gets a hold of them, and they kind of ruin them. They make a lot of money, but I guess you know who am I yeah, to say? You know what I always say that you disagree with that five album stretch. You know, I mean, I I, I think it still holds true to even somebody like that. That's an icon like that. You know, it's like okay. Yeah. No, what I think it is. I think it's like. 
I think you change because like even me with all my integrity, right? That um, <laughs> that like you know, if I was artistic like you know, you do my artistic integrity, and then all of a sudden the machine goes, Carl will give you like five million dollars to sing for like you know, okay, <laughs> you, know, that, that you want track. You, you want to yeah. be in this movie with you want to be in this movie with the banana splits? We'll give you ten million dollars, okay. <laughs> And, I, and I'm dancing around the beach, you know. I don't even care. So I guess that's what happens, man. I, I know of one band in the in the early 2000s that uh, did not sell out for the when they made the first mega movie of Godzilla. They kind of brought it back, uh, and I think the band Bush turned down one million dollars for a sync license for that film. They probably wish they had done that. Where now. is Bush today? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like. Um, uh, so the, I guess there's also some other news besides Tina passing away. I don't want to hear. Please. Well, I don't want the name that shall not be mentioned. No, no, no. This has nothing okay. to do with that. <laughs> Actually, believe it or not, I'm I'm hoping we can get through an entire episode without mentioning the name that shall not be named. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> But Miley Cyrus, who you both alluded to Ooh. in the last episode, oh, that you Miley like, Cyrus, you both like yeah. Miley Cyrus. So figured this she's is not gonna, she's not going to tour, right? <laughs> right, I she's like not going to tour. She came out in British Vogue saying that she feels that there's no connection there, there's no security. She just doesn't like the life on the road in terms of playing I, for hundreds you know, of thousands that whole, of people. So I wanted to get that, your perspectives on this. I think that the whole thing is kind of casting a little bit of shade on the person that shouldn't be mentioned. You know, I mean, I really? think she's, Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think it's like a like a little... You think there's like a rivalry, a, almost a maybe? Diss, uh, yeah, almost like a diss going on. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't think that Ma, She that cares. shall not be mentioned is going for a cash grab. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. that's it. So, I remember, you know, uh, just jumping the gun. I remember back in the seventies, at the height of his success at the time, he was doing the gardens and and just the beginning of arena tours. Late seventies, Elton. Who's this? Elton. Elton. Elton yeah. did a show with Ray Cooper, just a percussionist and a piano player. Yeah, it was great. And, it was a great. And he tour. toured the Beacon Theaters and the Academy of Music. He played two thousand seat halls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he could have been packing twenty thousand seaters, but he didn't. He did like five nights at at, at the Academy of Music Corps, and I thought what an amazing thing to, to have done. Yeah, a number of iconic acts have done that. Uh, I think the Who did that. They did some theater two thousand seat tours, you know. But that was much later. I mean, they were always a stadium band, but much later, like in two thousand ten, two thousand fifteen, I think they did some smaller. Because yeah, now that I think about really it, I've, I've never seen. You know, any really big bands, any really intimate arenas ever. All the big bands I've ever seen have always been in like the Garden or some huge places. I think yeah. the best thing, there used to be a place in, in Long Island, you might remember this, Nicole, but a little, maybe a little too young for you, but the Calderon Music Hall. It was the what? in Calderon Music Hall. It was, it was in Hempstead. What and, is it? Uh, no, uh, like five I, or six was, grand? Five or six I'm too, like I, I, I'm by Hempstead and I don't even remember that. Uh, I'd, I'd say about, I'd say it was about a 2000 seater, really small. I saw ELO there. I saw Cheap Trick there. Before I played with the Ramones, I saw the Ramones there with, 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 with the Runaways. They pretty much everyone that was at the Beacon was at the uh, Calvary. How many, how many uh, can be seated at uh, Radio City? I think about 6,000, six or seven, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they started there. There was a period of time where they started doing, like, 
bigger rock shows inside Radio City. Because yeah, they were yeah, uh, going out of business. They almost closed years ago. Yeah, yeah. Are there still shows there? Yeah, I saw like some a comedian there. Yeah, they're still like, they're part of the garden now. The network, yeah. Uh, we had, uh, I, I grew up in uh, across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, and so we would go to Louisville to see shows, and we had this absolutely magical venue called Louisville Gardens, and it was like, I don't know, something like 7,100 people, but it was it had that magical space and the acoustics you thought you were in a show of you know 30,000 people and you were actually hearing the best sound quality that was possible with 7,000 people and so it was just like there were there were a ton of live records made there a ton of live recordings made uh, you know what's so sad about it what? it has set vacant and shuttered for over 10 years because they can't make shows go there again. I don't know why. When I lived in Nashville. There was a place right across my apartment, that municipal, remember that place? Municipal Auditorium, right. Yeah, that's, that's where before they yeah. had all those big, that's where they used to have shows. Right, of course, yeah. You I know? saw many and that, shows. And that's now just like some... Yeah, they've made it a, like a musician's hall of fame, and they still do shows there, but... What were you going to say, Nicole? Oh, I was going to say, do you remember when we did the show with like Hadley Park and who else did we fly up? But to New York, it was at like the Paramount and Patchog. That was a great theater. And I think that they're struggling right now, too. And I know the one in Huntington, I think they either closed it or they're fighting for some sort of historic status with it right now. But those smaller venues, like to me, it sounds better and it's so much more like personal because you're not like trying to see them from, you know, 60,000 people away. You know, I don't know if the economics of it make sense anymore. I mean, I I guess, you know, sometimes you get to a place in your career where, you know, to fill a 2,000-seat theater is as good as you can do, you know, and some people don't transition over into the, you know, 20,000 seats. So those people can continue to do it, but to see people that could fill a 50,000-seat stadium in a 6,000-seat venue, that's that's pretty special. That's pretty cool. And also, another thing, too, maybe you have, I was never really a concert goer when I, in my youth. Like, I've never saw so many of the classic acts that I could have seen. Oh, I saw everybody. I, I, never, saw the Be- I never saw the Beatles. I don't think anyone ever saw the Beatles. I would venture to say, I love talking about this, actually, because it's so nostalgic for me, but I would venture to say that I saw most prominent rock acts post-Beatles that were available to be seen. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking everybody from, like, Uriah Heep to uh, Led Zeppelin to, you know. I, I never saw Zeppelin. Oh, see, I saw him three times. I never saw The Who with Keith Moon. I, ne- I saw them twice. With Keith Moon? Yeah. Yeah. See, I, yeah, I saw him with Kenny Jones later on. I saw a ton of people. Yeah, I never saw The Stones. Uh, that, that shocks me, Carl. I, 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 that shocks me. I thought you'd seen everybody. I saw Queen. I saw Bowie. I saw Rod yep. Stewart back in the 70s. Yep. I, I used to go to the Coliseum in Long Island. Yep. Mm-hmm. I also hate to say it, man. That was in the height of my, what's the word, ossified at, at, at most of these shows. <laughs> I was just so... Like, you know, I, I, told you, I, I told you, one of my best shows, I saw David Bowie only because I didn't know who he was. But these girls, I had a car, and they asked me, would I drive them... To, <laughs> 
<laughs> they gave me a ticket so I could drive them. So I drove them to Manhattan to see um, Radio City Bowie in 72, the, the Ziggy Stardust tour, which was like his first big American tour, you know? Oh, yeah, and yeah. I was, I was there, but I was so drunk. I can't, I, you could have told me anything. I, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, right, I right. I remember vaguely seeing it. I guess maybe because I started so early when I was like nine or ten years old, but I was always like a, a student of it. I, w- I would literally go and I would sit halfway up and I would bring field glasses and I would like watch the band with the field glasses and I would try to figure out what kind of snare drum Carl Palmer was using, you know, that kind of stuff. It was so hugely nerdy it had nothing to do with the party i was never that astute i was always where can we get the booze you know can i get see i I got my i got my pint pint of southern comfort and i could care less you know i remember like oh i I, you know that old adage you know youth is wasted on the young i told (laughs) totally in my youth i just wasted time being a a jerk (laughs) I'm surprised I'm still alive today, but because I was a, I was a complete. I'd love to meet me now, you know. Like I'd love to be like me now. Like meeting younger my, self, meet older self. Meet my 18 yeah, year old right. Carl. Yeah. I'm going, hey buddy, you are a jerk. Well, you know, you know. Like, you know and then and then the funny thing is now, what if if 18 year old Carl were, were to meet me now? He goes, so what are we doing on Friday night? Well. We like we'll, we'll watch some TV, and then we'll, <laughs> what, what, what do we do for fun? Well, we, we do a little work. <laughs> yeah, right. We really want to go crazy. I like these plant-based chocolate chip cookies. I like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they go. But what do we do? That's it. What do you mean? That's, that's it. it. That's what we do. Yeah. Because so. to me, years ago, I don't know about you, Greg, but for me, if I couldn't get drunk, why was I even going out? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I used alcohol and drugs in a different way. I there think was no I used point to, to being outside if I wasn't drunk. Well, I was, I was like a maintenance alcoholic. I was like half drunk, you know, 24-7. But the reality of it was for me that I just used it as, as, a, as a refuge. I was trying to kill the pain. It got to, it got to the point where that when I got sober... I didn't know if I had a personality, because that's why <laughs> that's why I became a recluse because everything was like I didn't know I could even talk to people. It's amazing, man, <laughs> the life we lead. So, what do you got to talk about, uh, Nicole? Let Nicole talk. I played my card. I gave you the Miley Cyrus information that I had. So that's it. <laughs> uh, he so I had Tina turn up Miley Cyrus. Well, okay. Well, I guess in the I 90, will say I, this. There is some ninety four twenty news. If that is anything that anyone wants to talk about, but we do have two really good interns that have oh, started the mighty, with us. The mighty, uh, yeah, the mighty team. Team. Grace yeah, right. and Maggie have officially started with us this week. Maggie, where's our is, where's our applause button? There we go. Hopefully they'll be impressed with the professionalism of these sound effects. Yes. But we've got Maggie from Auburn University who is helping us with our social media. And then we've got Grace from St. Rose College up in New York, right outside of Albany, I believe, who is helping us with our outreach and helping us with some sync things that we're going to be doing this summer. And honestly, they've been rocking it this week so far. 
So let's listen to another single by Will Kruger called English Prairie. But before that, let's listen to our unofficial official sponsor, Bongo Java. This episode is officially, unofficially sponsored by Bongo Java. Bongo Java, the birthplace of the 9420 podcast. While Bongo Java got its start a year earlier than 9420 in 1993, in 1994, Carl and Greg's relationship got started. And in 2020, Carl and Greg visited Bongo Java to create this podcast that you listen to. For more information on Bongo Java, go to bongojava.com. Just a lad from Pennsylvania Raised upon the coal and carbon plain Had a share of pain and doubts and struggles But dreams that wouldn't fade So he headed west to seek his fortune Took a little time along the way Stopped to rest his soul upon the prairie and there he came to stay Was it his fate to find his fortune Or did his fate bring his eyes to see The beauty of the blowing grasses Here on English prairie So he worked the land to make a living Tilling up the soil beneath the sun Then he met a girl with golden tresses And with her he fell in love Living with their dreams out on the prairie Soon they had a family to raise Now he knew he'd found his real treasure By the love that filled his days was it his fate to find his fortune? Or did his fate bring his eyes to see The beauty of the blowing grasses Here on English prairie Seasons turned and years rolled on A community did rise As many settled here to spend their lives now they know that lad from Pennsylvania Rest beneath the golden prairie sea Underneath the fields of blowing grasses A treasured legacy For the generations that have followed And the families that paved the way I too live my life on English prairie And to them I sing the song today Was it his fate to find his fortune Or did his fate bring his eyes to see The beauty of the golden grasses Here on English prairie Here on English prairie
It's just so nice to hear. Y'all know I have some serious like folk cred, right? Mm -hmm. Street cred. Back in 1997, I made a record for the Old Farmer's Almanac called Celebration of the American Farm. And I brought Glenn Yarborough, who's one of the preeminent folk singers from the 50s and late 50s and 60s and 70s. I brought him out of retirement to record for us on that album. And he did a version of an old Limelighters song that he recorded originally back in the 60s called The Far Side of the Hill. And uh, it was just a magical experience from beginning to end. He hadn't sung in the recording studio for probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. And we brought him back and it was extraordinary. I'll try to find a a link maybe we can stick a link up there so people could hear it but uh yeah i'm uh i'm a big fan of this kind of music so did we speak to uh will we, had we some questions? did will answered our questions of the week okay so the first question that we asked will is to tell us a little bit about himself well hello everyone my name is will kruger i am a singer songwriter and tribute artist In addition to performing my original compositions, I also pay tribute to musical greats like John Denver, Paul Simon, Gordon Lightfoot, and James Taylor in my Folk Legends tribute show, which features their most beloved hits. Additionally, I have a dedicated John Denver tribute show where I exclusively perform his music. Originally from a small town in northern Illinois, my bride of 47 years and I retired and moved two years ago to eastern Tennessee right next to the beautiful Smoky Mountains, where we make our home today. As a songwriter, my songs usually touch on the subject of hope, love, and relationships, as well as my own spiritual journey. I was fortunate enough to have four of my songs featured in the Lazarus Filmworks production of God, Where Are You?, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime and YouTube. I have three self-produced albums, Only a Decision, English Prairie, and my newest and best, I believe, Blessed, all available on the major streaming services. So that's a little bit about me. So he seems like he's he's really authentic. Yeah. Yeah, good for him. Uh, That that John Denver thing is huge. I mean, uh, that record I mentioned, uh, Celebration American Farm, uh, one of the things that I didn't get to put on there that I wanted on there was a, a song that John Denver has that reminded me or his his English Prairie reminds me of this song. Maybe he does it. It's called Matthew. It's an amazing song, John Denver song. Greg's spoken about Celebration of the American Farm many times, actually, probably at least four or five. So, like, I'm very proud of it. We need to re-release it. it is this a great is the episode record. that basically just lets him brag about it because we are featuring the music that is basically on it. So we asked him our, our next question, right? And I I'll, I'll I will bet. That he did not mention she will not be named. Oh, I, I hope so. Knock on wood. Let's, let's hope we can let's, get through an episode. Yeah. Well, so what is the question right. again? A wager. So a little the wager. Quest, yeah. The question we asked him is, what music artists have inspired your career so far? To answer your question on what musical artists have inspired my music career so far, well, I'd have to say the artists that I pay tribute to, like John Denver, Gordon Lightfoot, James Taylor, Paul Simon, and of course, Simon and Garfunkel, and then earlier than that, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Paul, 
Noel Paul Stuckey was a wonderful songwriter, and I do a lot of covers of his songs. And of course, back in the day, there was Roger Miller. Um, there was a lot of the folk genre that I, I that kind of inspired me to start singing music. Uh, I even go back as far as saying Ricky Nelson had something to do with me wanting to sing as a young boy. But later on in life, when I started my spiritual journey, I started listening to contemporary Christian artists like John Michael Talbot, Michael Card, Twyla Paris, and Randy Stonehill. All those wonderful artists inspired the music that I do today. And I try to communicate like they communicated to me. I try to communicate my music as well. So I hope that answers your question. It does, and I'll tell you one thing that I know for sure, for a fact. Good influences. And you'll tell me, Nicole, if I'm right. I think he's the first guy to, to cite Ricky Nelson as an influence. What do you think? No, he, he, he absolutely is on top of Peter, Paul, and Mary. I don't think anyone's really yeah. done before. <laughs> But Ricky Nelson, I mean, those records are super cool. Which ones? You know, the you the, re- the really early ones? Like, yeah. Well, he was like, yeah, wasn't really he like, great. I don't know, because, but he was like TV Elvis, right? Well, he was like, yeah, he was like a pop star. He really was. But there are some folk elements. There's some pop elements. There are some, there's even some rockabilly elements. Later yeah. on, he got cooler yeah. before he died. But during the Ozzy and Harriet show, he was, he was like, that was the late 50s. Yeah, he was just a TV pop star. But he was like good looking young. He had the DA like Elvis and he kind of was like a young TV yeah. Elvis, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. he was huge, yep. man. Ricky Nelson, yeah. man. But uh, I mean, I mean, squarely Americana, though. Yeah, that, like, that was the thing. He was like a Pat Boone Elvis. And the records are produced really, really well. I mean, I think, I think for the most part, most of that stuff was coming off of the West Coast, even though it had some Southern sensibilities. Right. So I think that was another thing that made it interesting. Anyway, so, so do we do we say enough nonsense to get through this? I mean, we feel you know, like, and, and thanks to Will, because I mean, I'm I'm in a much better mood than when we started. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. You know, so yeah. kudos, Will. Glad to have yeah, you aboard. Yeah. And we do have one more song by him. There you go. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. So are we about ready to get on out of here? I guess. Do we say hello again to these, to these, who these people we got? Maggie and Grace. Maggie and Grace. <laughs> and we made it. Don't say anything in the yeah, n- I'm not, next I'm not. 30 Let's seconds just, we're, about. Okay. We're just, right. we're, we're just going to roll on in with this. All right. <laughs> we made it. We made it. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. Make sure that you listen all the way through because we have one more song by Will called Sing Your Symphony Well. For everything that we spoke about in this episode, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. Lift a voice to all who hear Sing it loud and sing it clear Make some friends and draw them near In the melody, in the harmony In the music we love to sing so well So sing of sympathy, sing of empathy And sing your symphony well Silence rules from the depths within Shadows cast from where you've been 
patterns last, but they must be in the melody, in the harmony, in the music we love to sing so well. So sing of sympathy, sing of empathy, and sing your symphony well. In a world that's cold and torn, lessons taught but never learned, but there is hope and you were born. In the melody, in the harmony, in the music we love to sing so well. So sing of sympathy, sing of empathy, and sing your symphony well. Hear a sound that will fill our souls Of memories both warm and cold And will last as we grow In the melody, in the harmony In the music we love to sing so well So sing of sympathy, sing of empathy And sing your symphony I know sometimes peace and quiet will put your mind at ease But then again you'll see You're the vision of style and grace Silver hair and smiling face all the wonders of your warm embrace Gives me melody, gives me harmony Gives me music I love to sing so well I sing of sympathy, I sing of empathy I sing a symphony well In the melody, in the harmony we love to sing so well So sing of sympathy Sing of empathy And sing your symphony well Sing of sympathy Sing of empathy And sing your symphony well